Welcome to Shedding Shackles. Today's topic is the fullness of time. And now, here's your Shedding Shackles host, Roland Trujillo. Good morning, everyone. Yesterday, I made a video lecture about faith and doubt. And I said that faith is like a state of being. I would like to continue with that topic because it's so important. I want you to see that emotion signifies a fall. If you lived spontaneously and flowed from within, you would have no need of emotion, no need for outside stimulation. You would simply observe and move spontaneously, seeing what is wise, what is fair, what is just, what is okay. You could have fun and have recreation and everything. Always you would just check with your conscience, and if there was nothing restraining you, then you could go ahead. If an opportunity comes along and nothing is restraining you, then you go ahead. The door opens and you go through and prosper, and it's all good. And yeah, sometimes things don't quite work out, but there's a lesson to be learned from it. Or it seems like things aren't working out, but they really are. I always give the example of someone who's rushing to catch an airline flight and there's some kind of delay in traffic and so they missed the flight and then the plane crashes. You see what I mean? It had appeared to them that the delay because of, of traffic and missing the plane was a bad thing, but it was actually a good thing. You see what I mean? So sometimes you won't get one job because there's a better one. Or you get one job and it's not so good, but there's some lesson that you can learn there. You see what I mean? Or it's a timing thing. The right place to be is awaiting you, but it's not quite time. So something else comes along in the meantime. So you do the other thing and it seems like it's not working out, but it's because it's simply holding you until the right time is there for the other thing, which comes along in the fullness of time. Do you understand? So now let's get back to faith again and doubt. So can you see that when you fall into emotion, it means you somehow fell away from, from faith? You fell into reacting to the outside, responding to outside stimulation, responding to outside temptation or tease or taunt or, ch or challenge in some way. And then you felt what? You felt some kind of emotion, whether it was fear or anger or frustration or resentment, or even even excitement. See, we ought, we ought not need to be excited, like one man said so well. He said, we shouldn't need comedians to make us happy. You see what I mean? We should naturally be happy. I'm a man with a microphone, so I, people ask, no, I don't have a church. I do not have a church. I'm just a person, and I open my mouth and I talk. And if what I say strikes a responsive chord, then that's good. I want to get to what I was saying today. I want to continue with talking about faith, how it's a state of being. But first, I want to continue with the idea of emotion being a fall. So I want you to see that when you fall, then you fall into emotion. But then once you are in emotion, it leads to thinking, and you get lost in thinking. But then the emotion somehow keeps you separated from faith, from your inner ground of good. So in other words, emotion sustains a state of doubt. It was doubt 
when you doubted, you fell. But then when you fell into emotion and into thinking and trying to figure it out for yourself, see, trying to make things happen, trying to deal with something on your own, see, an ego struggling, then that's a faithless state. And then emotions rise to meet the struggle. You see that? In other words, an animal's emotion will rise when it has to run or fight, you see. But then the emotion somehow keeps you separated from faith. And so there's being lost in the machinery of thinking. I, I gave the example on a, on a recent talk of uh, great scientists, so-called great scientists, who know a lot of factual things but are atheists. So, like I said, they don't even, they don't even know what the smallest child can know. They're totally bankrupt. They totally lose all their common sense, all their intuition. So they're all knowledge and no common sense. Do you understand? All knowledge and no intuition. All knowledge, no understanding. All right, so now I want to read you something from the Bible. This is very beautiful. This is a story where Christ was walking upon the water. And here it goes. When the evening came, he was alone. He had gone to the mountain to pray. But the boat, he had sent the disciples out in a boat. The boat was already far from land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried in fear. But Jesus spoke up at once and said, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, command me to come to you on the water. Come, said Jesus. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and took hold of Peter. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Now, that's a very, very telling story. Did you notice that Peter was fine until he became afraid, and then he doubted? So, I'm writing this morning something for a new book, and I said, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Did doubt come first and then emotion, or did emotion come first and then doubt? Well, they both lead back and forth between each other. But I want you to see very clearly that it says, Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. In other words, emotion. Emotion separated him from faith. Do you understand? So now let's talk about faith as a state of being. I want to read you something now from the Kaboris manuscript, which is the translation of an Aramaic text of the New Testament, which was written in the Aramaic language. And this is translated by the Yonan Codex Foundation. This is Matthew chapter 5. When Jesus saw the crowds, he ascended the mount, and when he was seated, his disciples drew near. He began speaking and teaching them and said, A heavenly attitude is theirs, those whose home is in the Spirit. Theirs is a heavenly state. Isn't that beautiful? A heavenly attitude is theirs. Those mourning their wrongs, they shall be comforted. A heavenly attitude is theirs. Those with humility, they will gain the earth. But I want you to see that he talks about a heavenly attitude and a heavenly state. So I would like to draw the analogy of being well. 
When you're well, you have a state of well-being, but you don't even notice it. You exercise, you work, you talk to your friends, you, you do all kinds of things, and you don't even pay attention to your health, really. You just go about your life. But then when you suddenly become sick, when you feel ill, then you think back to when you were healthy and you think, boy, that was really nice. I should have appreciated it more. Do you see? So a state of well-being, a state of health, you almost don't even notice it. It's just kind of nice. But then when things are not good, when you don't have a state of well-being, when you're ill, then you really notice it, don't you? And then you think back to how nice it, it had been when you were well. Do you see? So, the natural state for a human being is carefree, spontaneous, and it's a state of well-being. That's the natural state, being healthy, physically, mentally, and spiritually, is the natural state. And when you are in that state and you have faith, you don't even know that you have faith, and you don't even really perhaps even notice that you're well, but you just are. It's beautiful. It's like when you were a little child and you jumped out of bed in the morning and ran, ran through the house. It was just wonderful. You, had, you lived a day of, of adventure and discovery. It was only at rare moments that you didn't feel good, you know, when you became sick or somebody upset you. Notice, notice the little child is not upset. Only when somebody upsets them, somebody's pressuring them, teasing them, taunting them, accusing them. You see what I mean? Upsetting them. So it's a package deal. I like to use that term also. Faith, well-being, wisdom, confidence, patience. All of these beautiful things, happiness. It's a package deal. It comes from abiding close to your intuition abiding in this heavenly state that Christ spoke of, abiding in this heavenly state. Meditation is a way of life. It's not a ritual. It's not words. It's not any particular thing. It's a way of life, like breathing is a way of life. Without breathing, we don't have any life. And so, meditation is very similar. When you breathe, you empty your lungs and you, you take in fresh air. And then you extract something from that, and then you breathe it out. And so, that's the way meditation is. Meditation is a hungering and a thirsting. Christ talked about hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And he said, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And you could also say a yearning. It could be wondering, questioning. You see, the state of being, a state of mind, a feeling of being okay and happy and free. 
and connected with something good and something wholesome. I can't think of the words to put to it. You'll just have to see in your own memories of times when you maybe strayed and you wanted to get back to what's good and pure and wholesome and true and right. Well, that's what I'm talking about, a yearning for that. That's exactly what meditation is all about. So may I recommend that you get started. Now's the best time. You've heard the old Chinese proverb, when's the best time to plant a tree? And then the answer is 10 years ago. And when's the second best time? Today. So get started today. Get the little meditation and give it a try. It's so simple. It's so simple. It could do you a world of good. In these challenging times in which we live, Roland has decided to make the complete four-part meditation exercise available for free to those who cannot afford a donation. The meditation exercise is a tool for dealing with stress and remaining centered. To listen to the complete four-part meditation exercise, simply go to SheddingShackles.com and click on the middle icon, Meditation. That's SheddingShackles.com Are you experiencing stress, anxiety, or unhappiness? Do you feel weighed down by the past? Stay tuned for a special message from Roland Trujillo, host of the Shedding Shackles radio program. For over 25 years, Roland Trujillo has been helping people shed the shackles of unhappy memories, consisting of upset, hurt feelings, and negative emotions that bind them to the past. Over the years, many people have listened to and benefited from Roland's positive message. Perhaps you too can discover the secret to becoming free from the past and moving forward to live a new life of joy and purpose. And now, here's your Shedding Shackles host, Roland Trujillo. Hi, this is Jeremiah Trujillo, the producer of Shedding Shackles. Shedding Shackles is about topics that impact your everyday life. If you have a question or a comment, email Roland at roland at sheddingshackles.com. That's R-O-L-A-N-D at sheddingshackles.com. Thanks for listening. If the natural state is one of health, and of all the wonderful blessings of grace and health. If that's the natural state, then all you need do is stay in that state and not do the things. Can you see that not falling into anger, not falling into excitement, not falling into rage, not falling into resentment, not doing the wrong things, not going the wrong way? Can you see that that's the same as being in the right place? Not going the wrong way is going the right way. Not falling into reacting to things on the outside and experiencing emotion is being in the right place. So, all you have to do then is uh, meditate. Begin today with a little meditation, the proper meditation, so that you can touch base with what comes from within. And then, close to this heavenly state, or in this heavenly state, 
you go out in the world, and then you watch. See, awareness is part and parcel of the heavenly state, and perception, and scrutiny, and so you watch. And in the past, this little thing could have irritated you, or that thing could have exasperated you, or this could have made you nervous, or that could have made you tense, or this could have made you angry. Do you see? Now you just let them pass, see? And you don't fall for the little temptations of aggravation. And so you remain calm by not getting excited, by not getting upset, by not getting angry. You remain calm. And by remaining calm, then, you have patience. And in patience, you then have faith. You see what I mean? And then when good things happen, you see the good things happening, and it was nothing that you did of yourself. And you wonder, how did this wonderful thing come to pass? And it's because of God there, see, assisting you. And then you realize that in the past, you always tried to make things happen and play God yourself and messed everything up. Now, you stand back and watch and wait until good happens and then marvel at the good that comes into your life without effort on your part. So you must find this heavenly state and you must abide in it and watch out for those things that will make you fall. And yeah, when you're beginning your recovery, when you're coming back onto the path toward God, then yeah, you'll still make some little mistakes. He allows, God allows you to make some little mistakes so you can learn a lesson from them. And the other thing is that things will surface. Old emotions, old illnesses, old symptoms will rise. Old ideas that were wrong, they will rise to be observed in the present. So you will re-experience some of these symptoms, but only so that they can be seen in the light and healed in the light. Do you understand? So the most important thing is your meditation, which implements your being close to the light from your Creator, and then living in the natural state of well-being, of which Christ said, a heavenly attitude is theirs, those whose home is in spirit. Theirs is a heavenly state. lives, as we currently know them, have an origin, and that origin is not a heavenly origin. What we think of as the ego life, the life of highs and lows and pleasure and pain and suffering and misery and excitement and anger and rage and lust and dreaming away and being disappointed, and being hurt, and being grieved, and struggling, and striving, and trying, and failing, and regretting. Did you notice, of all of those adjectives that I stated, or verbs, did you notice that most of them are negative? And even the ones that are positive, like, uh, well excitement and pleasure. Even those you know very well, those are short-lived, and the excitement leads to a letdown. And pleasure is short-lived and often leads to pain, doesn't it? 
so if you look at it, as I have just stated it, it's a life of being teased, tempted, challenged, prodded, goaded, stimulated from the outside. Now, these outside stimulations have a purpose, and their purpose is their own survival. Their purpose is their own benefit, what they think of as their benefit. And somehow they live off of your reactions, don't they? Your responses. And so you have to see that uh, you're not living your own life if all you're doing is reacting to these teases and challenges on the outside. You feel you have a life, but all it is is just emotions and pleasures and pains. And then the remnants or the residuals of those pleasures and pains and emotions, which is what? let down, frustration, headache, high blood pressure, tummy ache, disappointment, and so on and so forth. Now, the good news is that you have a latent awareness, a consciousness. There's something in you. There's something in all of us. It doesn't matter whether you're living in Mongolia or Ukraine or Venezuela or Hawaii, or Southern California, it doesn't matter. There's something in you that yearns for something better, something wonderful and sweet and good, some, some sort of something that you, when you were a child, you knew there was something good and whole and sweet, and you knew that life was an adventure and there could be something great for you. You wanted to be a prince or a princess, a noble, brave man or a gracious lady or a noble, brave lady, you wanted something good, and you sensed that there was a good, and you read about it in the storybooks, and you dreamed of it. And then as you got older, you began to think back. As you got into your 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s, you began to think back to earlier times, and you thought, boy, it was better then. Life was sweeter, and there was less to worry about. And I was more free and more spontaneous. And we didn't have a lot, but it was good. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Well, it's because in those earlier times when you were young and when you didn't have a lot, but you were spontaneous and you felt free and you had hope, you were closer to the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, when you were a little tiny child, you were even closer yet. And so you must come to the inescapable conclusion that the life of just reacting to the outside and experiencing pleasure and pain and emotions and disappointments and resentments and so on, that's not any life at all. It's a substitute for the real thing. And the real thing, you've always known that there is a real thing. There is a real life of nobility, of courage, of graciousness, of adventure, of usefulness. There is such a life, and you have to find it. And you were closer to it when you were a little kid, and you have to come to the unmistakable conclusion that it was, when you were a young person, it was right there. It was right there. It was almost within your grasp. You were close to it. So now you must find it. You must find it. So what has happened is, in your reactions to the outside, and especially because of the reaction of resentment, that's right, resentment. See, resentment is also a reaction. It's a little bit of hatred, and then 
the resentment leads to anger and impatience. And then you redouble your efforts to have the world make good. See, they took from you. See, what they took from you, you think they took your stuff, you think they took your years, your, they were ungrateful, you, you think all of that stuff. But no, that's not what they took from you. You think maybe they tried to take your, your self-respect and so on. But that's not what they took from you. What they really took from you was your connection with your inner ground of good, your connection with God, with the kingdom of heaven, with what you know in your heart. They separated you from that. And how do they do it? With all their little tricks. Now you must realize that resenting them is just another response that separates you even more from the inner good. What you must realize is they too had lost it. What was done to you was done to them. Long ago they lost it. Your mom lost it. Your dad lost it. The kids at school lost it. Everyone lost it. The professors lost it. The doctors lost it. The teachers lost it. They all lost it. The bosses lost it. And they were living the substitute life also. And so they couldn't give you love. See, love is what you really need. And what would love be? Love would be some sort of a correction from the false life. See, your life now is you're out of control. You're out of control, reacting, reacting, resenting, hating, blaming, judging. And now you're fixated to people on the outside, aren't you? You're fixated to the kind of men that you hate, the kind of women that irritate you, the kind of bosses that you don't like, the kind of people who do rude things. You're fixated, see? And so what you must do now is defixate. You must refine what you lost. And it's very, very simple. It's very simple. You go into your room and close the door and sit quietly. Get the little meditation that I made, the little eight-minute meditation, it's free. Or the four-part one, I've also made it free. And learn to be still and to separate from your rabbit thoughts and your emotions. Just learn to watch them and be closer to the kingdom of heaven, which is right there in the now present. And learn to get in touch with what you know in your heart, what you were once close to when you were a little child. Refine that and live from that. Get off of that merry-go-round of pleasure and pain and, and frustration and resentment and so on. And now, get in touch with what you know in your heart, which is true and which is good and which is pure. And trust in it be close to it and learn to follow it and it will guide you to safety and to happiness and it will restore you and restore your life give you your life back until next time lord willing and the creek don't rise i'll see you then bye bye You have been listening to Shedding Shackles with your host, Roland Trujillo. Now you can listen to Roland anytime by logging on to www.sheddingshackles.com. You'll find lots of free, helpful information, and you can also order materials or make a donation by using your credit card. Once again, the web address is sheddingshackles.com. Please remember that Shedding Shackles is listener-supported. Thank you. <laughs>